Welcome to Popcorn Martini Soup, a movie podcast. I'm Jess. And I'm Anna. And we're your hosts, here to hang out. And we always end up talking about movies. Usually over a couple of martinis. Or a warm bowl of soup. I could really use a warm bowl of soup right now. I am so tired. It has been a week. <laughs> yeah, what's what's been going on? Do you have have you had a lot of plans? Like or is it like all work or is it both? Oh, it's both. I mean, yeah. Work is like it's good. It's a little bit busier than this time of year normally is. So that's already something but I feel like coming out of another pandemic winter and then like going away on my trip I feel like Mm -hmm. I've really been trying to like get back out and live my life and do things and I just like went to the extreme and was like I'm gonna do all the things um so I've been so busy just catching up with people going for drinks going out dancing going like to concerts and movies and it's great. I love it. It's it's making me really happy, but I'm so tired. For sure. I feel like I've been having like maybe an opposite-ish um, past couple of weeks. Um, I've been definitely leaning into like cozy, even though it's been like really beautiful outside and it does make me yeah. want to go outside. And I have been like I've been on walks and stuff. Um, speaking of soup, I made two different types of soup and that's where like Ooh. in a week. Amazing. that's where I am. Um, But one was just like shredding some chicken into just like the easiest like chicken soup with like just, I don't know, whatever random vegetables that are kind of going bad in the fridge and like throwing (laughs) it all in with the onions and like the, you know, the carrots. And it's like, is this even... Still like a, good a kitchen of. sink type soup <laughs> totally yeah and it was like so cozy i added mm. a little bit of like those pearl couscous like i've been so Ooh, into those lately yeah so yeah that was really good and then the other soup i made uh i didn't actually make it i actually had it last night um and it's uh bone malatang soup which is like a chinese like spicy it's it's not like a, a red chili spicy necessarily it's one of those like numbing spicy oh and you just throw in like all these different vegetables and like spicy creamy numbing coziness <laughs> that sounds so good yeah it, it's not it, it hasn't all been cozy it's been uh i i actually went out monday night um to history to drake's new uh venue um to go see this artist called rina sawayama um she's a uk artist who's japanese but she has this kind of energy that again like i don't know how i guess i'm talking about gaga every episode but like she (laughs) reminds me of her and like she ended the show with the remix of like gaga's song as well that she collaborated on oh my gosh so it just gave me like a throwback to like early 2000s anna that Mm. like not to really tie it into what we're talking about today but the always and forever is that like you know you're always gonna go back to and like no matter how new of an artist or like movies or whatever like when it kicks in and it hits your core that you always come back to it's a really good feeling so I feel like that was me like musically this whole entire week that's such a great place to be because it feels it's like it's like comfort but it's different than comfort because it brings you right back to that place in your life yeah when you like first loved this thing or first experienced it and it's such a specific feeling to feel like you're I don't know, like 12 or 14 or whatever again and in that same place. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like I'm in like a perfect place to be able to talk about our topic today, which is actually always and forever. And I feel like we're going to have a couple movies in here that people are going to have some very, very strong opinions and just like throwback feels. So I'm excited to get into it. I think it makes sense to start off with like a very, very close like Toronto connection movie, right? Yes, let's do that. And that is Scott Pilgrim versus the World, which came out in 2010. It feels like forever ago, but also it feels so recent. It's so weird. Yeah, 2010 does not feel right. It's um, it's based on a graphic novel by Brian Lee O'Malley. And the way that they capture the graphic novel spirit of it in the movie, and it's just like so imbued with all of those like comic punches and and visuals, is so 
fun. And I I think that like it, it can be hard to get that right. But the way that Edgar Wright, the director, set the tone in this one, it was it was set up perfectly for that. I was so surprised how just natural it all felt. Like, yes. you know, the moment when Ramona Flowers and, and Roxy, Roxy Richer comes up um she's one of like the the exes and Mm -hmm. she's a girl and like he doesn't get it at first and so there's like a little like barometer bar thing that pops up in his head and it says doesn't get it but then it dings to gets it or something like simple things like that that I was just like it makes sense like yeah it communicates the like nuance of the movie in such a like flashy campy way that normally that is like a dichotomy doesn't work well it's like it's too much or you're like overdoing it but the balance in this is perfect and it leans into the camp enough that it feels like a comic book come to life yeah um speaking of brie larson's character the female seven evil exes i feel like she and like to be fair mary elizabeth winstead too as ramona flowers that was like kind of a a moment for me when i was younger not a conscious one because it Mm -hmm. like took me a while to be like oh not everybody thinks girls are pretty in this way but i i had a moment with the two of them where i was like oh oh wait a minute Mm -hmm. because there's something about like brie larson on that stage in those boots singing black sheep that i have still never gotten over every time i see it it like brings me back to that version of me 12 years ago who was like oh oh wait a minute and that she sang it herself like that was all her she gets a lot of hate that i don't think she deserves she's just out here to have a good time i really like her and i've liked her since this moment i feel like this was like my maybe my first introduction to brie larson Mm, and it's such a good one Another person that I keep forgetting is in this movie is I know I can't believe I keep forgetting, but Aubrey Plaza, who's just like a really iconic character too in this movie. I um, love Aubrey Plaza in I everything. Love- she manages like every time Aubrey Plaza is on screen, you're like, I am exclusively looking at her. She yeah. has something about her that just you can't look away from yeah so when I first saw this like because I was in Japan never like even honestly thought about Toronto existing to be honest um fair yeah so like it was just like a generic location um when I watched it but watching it since I moved here to Toronto Mm -hmm. oh my goodness it's just like a whole added layer that is like so uh just so many like connections I feel like a lot of people probably feel this way where Mm. when you you recognize a location in a movie you're immediately more invested you're like "Ooh, so true I've been there I know that place yeah. I remember um it obviously happens a lot with this movie because they deliberately made it look like Toronto they were like we're not trying to hide that this is where this movie is but I also remember in The Kid Detective starring Adam Brody that came mm-hmm. out last year or the year before there's a very specific shot of a beauty parlor um that's just sort of like a passing shot that happens and I used to live down the street from that beauty parlor. Yeah. And immediately I was like, oh, oh, I know that place. Oh, wait a minute. And like sat up and refocused. And I was like, I am in this movie now. Yeah. And there's just something about like feeling like, oh, yeah, I've been there. That's like a place that I know. It's part of my home. That's so fun and fulfilling. And I feel like Toronto is so often disguised as another city in movies that we don't often get these moments of like, yeah, this is unabashedly Toronto. It's just so different from so many other movies that are that are out there. I really just do find it super fun, the comic book integration and um, and it's so fast paced, too. I just it's, it moves really quick. Yeah. And I like that it's it's got such an energy about it while also embracing like how awkward Scott Pilgrim and Michael Sarah playing him are yeah. like he almost feels out of step with the movie around him at times. Totally. Which I think works really well when you're like an awkward teen and you're like, what's going on? But then you get swept up in the fun of it. Yeah. But Michael Sarah's like, he's not the self-insert because he's not the person you want to be. But at moments yeah. you're like, oh, I've been there. Like, And you sort of feel out of step with the movie with him. And then it like sweeps you back up with its energy. And you're like, yeah, no, I'm along for the ride on this. I remember, I think I just felt really seen from how awkward you appear to be but then all the comics and all the speech bubbles and like all the weird things that happen during in real life it's like silence Mm -hmm. but then in this movie there's so many things that are filled in and that's what's going through your mind so I was like oh my god it feels like 
like everything is visualized in like a comic book setting but integrated into real life and like that's just like super special and high school me was just like obsessed with that yeah I really love that about it one quote that I will always make me giggle I mean there's so many in this movie but yeah when Scott Pilgrim is uh what is the website for amazon.ca and Wallace goes amazon.ca <laughs> <laughs> And <laughs> there's so much deadpan in this movie like that but oh on the surface you're like i don't get it like if you were to like read the script you'd be right. like what and then it's like it's all in the delivery is yeah it's so funny it's so good i still i always remember it was like turned into a gif and floated around the internet for a while yeah. that moment where wallace is at the door and opens it and says like scott's not here and you see scott fly out through the window behind him yes <laughs> so good it's like what so a dumb good. little moment but it's so funny oh I don't know if I put this in but another one that I was like <laughs> was w- when Ramona's like I was just a little bi-curious and Roxy's like I'm just a little bi-furious and get, they get into a fight <laughs> she's like back off has been <laughs> like oh my god that's the thing it's so over the top it's but so, it works because it really like so leans good. into it it says I am I know what I am and I'm going to be in your face about it mm-hmm. and that's why it works yeah it really reflects that age very well (laughs) it so does yeah okay this is one that I definitely put on the list because it is one that I cannot not watch if I see it somewhere this actress was an it girl at the time I grew up watching her on tv and then she moved into movies there was something about this particular movie that I just latched onto and every time I watch it I am back in 2004 um I was I guess 10 when this movie came out which is mm-hmm. insane to me and I definitely rewatched it a lot in the sort of next few years after that um I feel like it was a very formative early quote-unquote romance it's a cinderella story let's just get to it it's a cinderella story the like early 2000s anonymous texting to like form a relationship i don't know it's all it's so cheesy but it's so fun and heartwarming and like this is this was hillary duff's era because Lizzie McGuire had just ended. The Lizzie McGuire movie came out in 2003. And then 2004 was A Cinderella Story and Raise Your Voice. And then 2005 was The Perfect Man. So she was just like, she was in her peak. And this movie was probably the best of them all. Although the Lizzie McGuire movie is also excellent. But something about her, Chad Michael Murray, the way they like build the tension, play off of each other. And then the complete left turn of Jennifer Coolidge as her wicked stepmother who yes. is so good in every role yeah i guess a lot of the movies we're talking about today is like around this time this like early 2000s but um i was gonna say that this was anna in the phase of avril's second album like under my skin like mm-hmm. that was my moment so i think i i think i saw i remember i definitely saw a cinderella story but that was only because when i traveled during the summer to vancouver to see a friend I think we saw Ice Princess. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think we saw it. For a second, I thought we saw it in the movie theater, but we pretended like the house was a movie theater and we made like DIY tickets and stuff That's for so our adults. Cute. And, yeah, we like did popcorn and all that stuff. Anyway, a Cinderella story was bundled into that experience. I remember liking it, but I, I don't remember like really, really latching onto it. But I do remember Jennifer Coolidge, of course. <laughs> Who's just incredible and everything, like you said. A lot of times when I think about her in this movie, the immediate first image is her coming out of the tanning bed with the like pink tanning glasses on. Mm -hmm. This, I mean, it still is like a very typical teen rom-com, but something about Jennifer Coolidge's performance really elevates this. Yeah. And I think her and Regina King as... um, Hilary Duff's character's boss at the diner are both like they're real gets for this movie and Mm -hmm. the movie would not have been the same without them I don't know how they convinced them to do this random teen movie (laughs) but I'm so glad they did yeah what's what's Chad up to oh my god Chad is like playing a cult leader on Riverdale or something 
He's oh, gone down a very weird God. path. Yeah, Hillary Duff is is like leading How I Met Your Father. Like she's like on a sitcom doing something very wholesome. She's got kids. It's really cute. And Chad Michael Murray just went like Riverdale cult leader and Hallmark movies, I think. Because you look at him and he's like early 2000s guy. A hundred percent. He's definitely one of the people that you when you see him, you think of this era because like this was when he was in all the teen movies. He was in Freaky Friday with Lindsay Lohan and he was that guy yeah for this era and uh yeah very much not that guy anymore sorry no. chad but like at the time he made so much sense as a love interest like he was tall and blonde and in this movie he played football and he looked like he could play football i don't know there was something about that moment for me um hillary duff's character sam like goes into the locker room at the end of the movie and she's like waiting for you is like waiting for rain in this drought and it's just like it was such a ridiculous like emotional peak for this teenage girl to be like I'm not gonna wait for you anymore I'm gonna choose me whatever and then of course it rains and they start making out and it's like yeah this is a romance this has oh, to be the ending yeah but it's just such a like dramatic moment that they play up so much and you can see both of them like really giving it their all they're so hurt and they're so emotional in this moment and it's so fun to revisit that and go back and be like, yeah, I truly believed this when I was 10. Yeah. I bought into this 100%. For sure. Yeah. I, I definitely, it's not in me to like, I don't know, just like cry your heart out in the middle of the rain. But like, I think once or twice, like there's been like that kind of moment where like everything aligned like I was mm -hmm. really sad and like I was walking home from school and it started raining so then there was like me that was sad but also I was like this is how it's done in the movie so I'm really gonna <laughs> lean into it like I'm gonna have my movie moment yeah <laughs> yes and I've, I've I've definitely tried it and I was like this is not me but I'm still gonna do it anyway <laughs> I'm going to commit and I'm going to have my Hillary Duff in the rain moment. Yeah. <laughs> I love that's what these movies are perfect for. Yeah. That exact feeling. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about like Cinderella princess feel good. Mm -hmm. I think this is like, I don't know, I guess like air quotes tomboy um, as, as you might call it and uh, taking it to that direction, which I really love. And it's Bend It Like Beckham from 2002. Yeah. Very much the same time period. I watched this recently and I couldn't stop smiling mm -hmm. and there were so many relatable things. I just was like... I should have been watching this like more frequently. I totally forgot. But it was one of those that I definitely kind of uh, categorized as like an always and forever in my mind. But mm -hmm. just again, like it's not something that I visit all the time. And yeah, it was just like it felt really special rewatching it recently because there's so many great moments in this movie. There's so many. I, I, I knew how much I loved it but I had forgotten all of the little gems sprinkled across the movie. There are so many great one-liners. Like, the script is good. It's so smart, witty, and sharp, but it's also really heartfelt and honest. The way that, like, both girls, Jess and Jules, have parents who are so, like, loving and dedicated and caring, but it doesn't always come out in the way they want it to, and, like, for both of them, their mothers are so hard on them because they have these like very specific expectations of them and mm -hmm. specific ideas for like how they think their girls will be happy and, and what they think will set them up for like a good life is different from what the girls want for their lives. Yeah. And then these like quiet fathers who are sort of taking a backseat to yeah. what the moms are, are putting forward, but like steadfastly loving and caring for their daughters. I don't know. It's it's a really beautiful setup. And, and I like that it's two very different cultures and like they touch on those cultural differences a lot, mm. but neither one of them is made to feel like other. And there are so many like similarities that are emphasized across these two families that it, like all of these are the same kinds of people. Yeah. Uh, I really, really appreciated that the movie didn't end up sort of choosing one or the other necessarily um, mm -hmm. in terms of culture, like you said. And because it's been a while since I've seen it and I kind of forgotten like which the movie kind of the direction that the movie was going to take. And I was so ready to be like, oh, like just better not just like cut one off over the other or mm -hmm. things like that, because that's something that I definitely go through too, being like this bicultural kid and 
And like she just continues to sit in that like uncomfortable place, even though it's uncomfortable to her, like because she's she has so much love and respect for her family and for her own culture, but also love and respect for like soccer and like what she loves and those two things coexisting in such a like cute teen movie at the end of the day yeah. is just like it it, it it has such a big impact and uh yeah it's it's so cool I I love the way they just kept it that way and although you know as a kid I thought that she was gonna get together with um Kira Knightley's character you know when uh what's his name Joe he like leans in and tries to kiss at the end and she's like I can't mm-hmm. and naturally like I remember I was like oh she's gonna get together with with Kira Kira Knightley mm-hmm. um and I thought that too again <laughs> when I was rewatching it. I was like, <laughs> because that's the right ending. Yeah, that's the right ending. It could have been like, ab- like nothing. Like it could have been open ended. And I thought, oh, maybe that's how it's taking it. And then, like they make out at the end, and I was like, okay, fine. Of course they're gonna make out and be together. I guess, which is whatever. But yeah, yeah. I mean, like it was two thousand two, so I understand why they like made it very hetero at the end Mm -hmm. but it's funny because the whole movie leading up to that is not shy about the fact that like people think that they're lesbians Mm. like they play with that for for humor yeah and not in a not in a mean way like I don't I didn't ever feel like they were making fun of gay people in this movie um it felt like it came from like a place of these girls are really close and it kind of makes sense that you might think that they're together because it really looks like they have a lot of chemistry and that they might be together and so it came from a place of like using that for humor instead of like punching down at lesbians or at gay people which I really appreciated but also I was like you could have just done it you could have just made this as gay as you were like joking (laughs) that it could be yeah I am forever bitter that Parminder Nagra who plays Jess did not have the same kind of career as Kira Knightley Mm -hmm. because she is so good she's so like heartfelt and believable and they play off each other so well in this movie and the fact that she hasn't had the same kind of success is so unfair. She is still acting. She does have like other credits to her name. But, you know, kind of like the big thing that she's known for. Whereas Kira Knightley, you could list off tons of credits for her. You, totally. Like there are so many things that immediately come to mind. So I'm always a little bit bitter about that because, you know, she's worked a lot but she deserved to be so much bigger than she is. Yeah. All of these experiences are happening to families right now. They're different. And these are some of the ways in which they're different, informed by all of these various factors, including like the culture that you're growing up in. And here are some of the similarities, but here is also like a real honest way of recognizing those differences and showing that, you know, if you are a kid growing up in one of these kinds of households there are like other things going on outside and like in other families here are some of the other ways that kids around you are growing up and the things that they're going through and it was a really cool like window into you know these two friends who are coming from very culturally different places like I was lucky growing up that there were a lot of people of different backgrounds Mm -hmm. in my neighborhood and going to my school so like I had that exposure as a kid But so many kids growing up, I think especially like in the UK and in the US, you grow up in like a culturally homogenous place where you don't necessarily have friends from other backgrounds. And this is a really nice way of being like, yeah, like you don't always know what's going on in somebody else's life. You can't Mm -hmm. always say like, oh, just do this because it's not the same for other people. That's why why I I appreciated um, Joe when he sort of started like stepping into Jess's life as like a coach but maybe a love interest like who knows and they were kind of figuring that out like he wasn't just kind of like well whatever like your dad your mom doesn't get it so I don't know why that matters to you like because that is I've been told that like many many times and it's so hurtful because Mm. it's about your parents and like even though like of course I don't agree like you know just I'm sure obviously in this character is like wants to just play soccer and wants to do their thing but there's a whole reason why like it's a struggle to her it's because it's like in a way she doesn't agree with her parents in so many things but also has like very deep respect for them Mm -hmm. I will also say every single time I watch this movie I cannot get over the moment where Jess is called a slur on on the um soccer pitch yeah and she comes back and she's like upset and and she goes you know you wouldn't know what that's like and joe goes jess i'm irish of course i know what it's like i know (laughs) i knew 
was so funny dude it's so funny i knew (laughs) yeah i was that i it's like okay but it's it's 2002 like no this is not the same (laughs) okay so we can't talk about movies from this era that really stuck with us that really mean a lot to us without talking about school of rock that is a classic maybe controversial opinion but i think this is my favorite Linklater movie he's made a lot of big movies i think this is my favorite one it's so good it's so it honestly a movie like this should not have been this good it's a true always and forever i feel like the spirit of always and forever is like mostly that feeling that like transports you back but it's also a little bit of like these are the kinds of movies that if you have cable, if you see that it's on some afternoon, you can't not watch it. And School of Rock is also that. Yeah. Jack Black is great across the board, but he leads this movie with such an energy and such a confidence, especially when you're working, I think, with so many young like child actors. He just had to like take the reins and like plow through this. Yeah. That's exactly what he did while also making space for all of these kids to really shine. And then you have Joan Cusack and Mike White, who were just so funny. I love Joan Cusack with all my heart. There's something about her voice that just like has that always and forever energy. (laughs) It's so true. She feels like that kind of person that like you hear her voice and you're immediately like, ah, yes. Yeah. I am like a young, awkward person who is just like sitting down enjoying a movie in which I feel so seen. Yeah. Also the fact that like she she does the voice of uh, uh, Jesse in, in Toy Story 2. So I think that's also Mm. the reason why I'm like cozy feeling when I hear her like there's like an extra attachment there because of that voice work. Yeah. There's another another movie that has really, really great quotes. Like, I don't know how many times I say this quote with like some of my friends, but like, hello, you've got a base. (laughs) (laughs) How does that come up in uh, everyday life for you? You just kind of say it. (laughs) you just have to commit so i thought we'd do um something fun where we're gonna talk about like which character are we from school rock based on our zodiac sign i mean we could have done it based on like so many different (laughs) things but like hit me um so your birthday is coming up it's so soon yeah actually the day that this episode comes out is my birthday yeah happy birthday um so that makes you a taurus Mm -hmm. um do you have a do you have a like sense of who you might be there are a couple people that i can think of but i can also think of like other zodiac signs that might apply to them Mm, so no i don't i i don't know what to expect out of this okay so curious to know what your reaction is to this um taurus is summer hathaway no that's what i was afraid of (laughs) (laughs) what's the what's the explanation what's their justification for giving me summer okay so summer hathaway as we all know the one student who proves to be a real match for dewey finn um she doesn't just sit back and accept what's happening and she has a real passion to learn and be in a position of power she refuses to take no for an answer and is incredibly stubborn it is the stubbornness that makes her a taurus as they They are notorious for refusing to give up if they believe they're right. However, many of her ideas do prove to be beneficial, and she's very intelligent for such a young person. Okay. It's very stereotypical for them to be like, ooh, stubbornness, therefore Taurus. But also, as a stubborn Taurus... I can I can give in to that one. I feel like this applies to Capricorn as well, which is what I am. Mm, I'm a December, yeah, end of December baby. So Capricorn uh, character from School of Rock is Lawrence, um, which I think is also Lawrence. like <laughs> very stereotypical. But like, um, I love Lawrence. Two of the main traits of Capricorn are how emotional and sensitive they are. This certainly describe, describes Lawrence um, as he really struggles with his confidence issues due to how he believes others feel about him Lawrence doesn't think he's cool and he's quiet in class however he ends up overcoming this and he proves to be one of the coolest people in class he also happens to be a great keyboard player I feel like this is a really positive description of Capricorn and I really appreciate this I'm so sweet yeah I was going to say you got these from Screen Rant right yes so when you first started this I was going to say screen rant you're tacky and i hate you but after that i rescind that 
<laughs> I yeah, take it this back. Was, this was a sweet one. A lot That's of them really are nice. very like stereotypical, easy kind of like drawing the line. But um, there's a few. There's a few cute ones. Yeah, yeah. I like that one. Yeah. Okay. So for these last couple, let's switch gears just a little bit and move from the movies that are always and forever into like the franchises that you just like can't help but go back to. I feel like there are a couple because of when we were born that were like so present in our lives. A couple of like big movie series Mm -hmm. that you just like could not escape and that we always kind of either go back to a lot or like take us back to those moments I feel like the one that does that the most that like puts me back to where I was when I first saw it is High School Musical as like ridiculous and silly as that sounds yeah so I mentioned I mean High School Musical that's from the first one was from 2006 yeah I think and I mentioned this earlier as well Anna through this was going still going through that like punk pop rock era yeah you the, were too cool for high school musical weren't you yeah i was like you know trying to look like green day and um <laughs> so i was definitely confused about like being you know air quotes like what a girly girl is mm. um when i saw these like movies um so then when i like saw vanessa Hudgens with her like super low-rise jeans like being a nerdy girl I guess but also like really cute I was like what <laughs> just like, does not compute yeah I, I was like but I but like I'm really into this as well <laughs> so um yeah yeah that was me I was definitely like oh too cool for it but like no I was into at it. your heart I was so into it at your core you were pro high school musical you couldn't help but be drawn to it like i distinctly remember this was a thing like like the premiere of high school musical it was all over the like disney channel for a long time it was so hyped up my friend and i had a sleepover to watch the, the the movie for the first time we'd seen some like Disney Channel original movies, some decoms before, and there mm. are some really fun ones. And I just remember we were kind of taken aback at this one. We were like kind of delirious because, you know, when you have a sleepover, you eat too much sugar, you stay up late, like everything is kind of silly. But we were a little bit stunned at how much we loved this movie. And then, of course, it blew up and became a phenomenon. And, you know, I remember we had subsequent sleepovers where we would watch the like dance along edition where you they like take dance breaks to teach you the dances before that scene comes on so that you can dance along with them and like I forget sometimes when we joke about High School Musical how big a phenomenon it actually was they used to air these movies every other weekend they did the sing-along editions they did the dance along editions like this was big for our age group and it's so easy to brush it off as like oh that's like such a silly cheesy thing that kids like it's like not worth our time and attention it's something that I think really a lot of us could really connect over like it was a thing that you could do with your friends that everybody was going to have a good time everybody Mm -hmm. was excited about it it's just like a thing to bring kids together and watch this great movie and like dance along and just have fun with it which when you're a kid and like I think especially because this was around the time that I was moving from like elementary school to middle school, kind of have to like readjust to a new setting and make new friends and like to have something built in that everybody kind of already loves. It's it's really great to have. Music is so good. <laughs> the music slaps. So what the first the first song that they do a duet start of something new. The one at the um, New Year's Eve party. The yeah the karaoke. The karaoke yeah. <laughs> Start of Something New is, like, that set the tone. And you hear that song for the first time, and you're like, oh, something's happening. Zac Efron, like, sings his part and then, like, looks away. He was like, He's, like, done. Whatever. He's ready to walk away. Yeah. And then she starts singing, and he stops. I'm like, when does that happen? When when, in what world? No. <laughs> like, when does that happen in a karaoke setting? Are you kidding me? And then he's like, I'm going to start singing into your eyes we're gonna start <laughs> singing into each other's eyes and we're gonna exchange phone numbers <laughs> these movies are pure teenage wish fulfillment there's nothing more to them they are wish fulfillment that so does not good. happen bop to the top is such a good song. <laughs> 
I know there's been a lot of Sharpay discourse over the mm-hmm. last few years. People online are like re-litigating Sharpay basically and are saying like she was always cast as the villain, but she was just trying to like make her musical and get into the school she wanted to get into she is like made to be the antagonist because you're supposed to be rooting for this other person but like she's been training basically her whole life and then this girl just waltzes in and is like "Mm, actually i'm a great singer and i'm gonna be the lead now and are you even gonna get into like juilliard or whatever like sharpay's not really the villain she's just a girl in high school trying to get into the school she wants to go to and be the lead in the musical it's so true she is so determined she's like not necessarily very good in the methods she's using to try to achieve it yeah but oh god is sharpay a taurus oh no (laughs) (laughs) stubborn determined doesn't give up on her dreams Uh, Ooh, so funny maybe maybe yikes i need to know though of the three movies which is your favorite uh the first one yeah yeah i like the other ones too but I think it's just, like, with the age that I was, like, introduced to. And then I was pretty into the second one as well. But, um, yeah, the first one. It just, yeah. like, OG, um, feel good. Like, just so ridiculous, over the top. Yeah. How about you? There's something I really love about the second one. They got the opportunity because of the success of the first one to, like, kick mm-hmm. it up a notch. Yeah, and like this is true. The musical numbers are bigger, and everything's a little bit more dramatic. The original holds a very specific, like, special place in whatever grade five me's heart. But yeah, there's something about the second one that I just like. That's probably the one that I've rewatched the most because it's mm. just so fun. Yeah, it is. It is like yeah, it's super fun. Also, like the fact that a lot of it takes place at like a pool and like yeah, yeah, the like, very dramatic like bet on it song that Zac Efron does on the golf course where he's yeah, just that, like yeah losing it. It's that is definitely like one of my all time like out of all three like favorite moments when he just like sinks into the sand and like grabs it. And, <laughs> just it's so dramatic i love it yeah it's like over the top in the best way yeah again we said this last time zach efron needs to come back and do more do musicals musical come on zach we're all waiting for you we're all waiting for you yeah okay so we're still sticking with the franchise theme that we got going on i feel like we left the the sort of the best I mean like not the best maybe but like (laughs) the ones that are talked about most and everyone's talking about it Mm. to the last two and one of those is of course the Hunger Games yeah a little bit later we're a little bit older but the cultural impact is nearly unparalleled I think the last or the one we're going to talk about at the end is probably like the top but this Mm -hmm. came pretty close um, first Hunger Game came out 2012, so I was in high school, end of just senior, finishing like senior year. Yeah, yeah. So especially I think for the first two, like the Hunger Games and Catching Fire, they did a really, really good job with the adaptations. I remember there was a lot of discourse around, you know, Jennifer Lawrence getting hired to play Katniss because she does not match the description of Katniss in the books. In the books, Katniss is a little bit more racially ambiguous. She is like olive skinned, dark hair. And then there's there was also um, a lot of controversy around the casting of Rue. Amandla is black and a little bit darker skinned. And Rue's race was also, I think, left very ambiguous in the books. And people were mad on both sides and I was like you can't Mm. have it both ways but ultimately I think the casting worked out really well I Mm. was really impressed with the adaptation for the first two I think once you get into the third and it like splits into two movies and it gets a little bit you know bigger and Mm -hmm. sort of it's straight a little bit more but there's something so satisfying I think Catching Fire in particular uh, both as a book and as a movie they managed to capture them really well I I rewatch Catching Fire the most this makes a great case for like there are sequels that are better than the first movie it does yeah you're right yeah I think you have this whole like you're you're already fairly attached to Katniss and Peeta by the time the second one comes around but then the cast of characters just expands 
and all of a sudden there are a whole bunch of other people that you are emotionally attached to and rooting for and then you're Mm -hmm. like oh wait i i can't root for all of these people yeah because the whole point of this is like most of them are gonna die and then it gets like so complicated as the movie goes on with the way Mm -hmm. that it all moves and shifts and with the how the politics play out it's it's so smart I remember, I definitely remember watching Mockingjay Part 1 and coming out of it super pissed. Really? <laughs> yeah, so so Harry Potter had the Deathly Hollows like, Part 1, Part 2. I know The Hobbit wasn't, like, a Part 1, Part 2, Part 3 situation, but, like, when the second one came out, which was around the same time as The Hunger Games 2, like, it was 2012, 2013, then 2014, mm-hmm. I watched the second one and I was, like, so pissed off. I was just, like... I was exhausted with the idea of how like a part one of like another sequel that's coming Mm. like taking this contained content and like pulling it out exactly yeah all of these movies where I I just am left feeling like I got absolutely nothing yeah and then I have to wait for another year and it just kind of feels like I'm just being led on to like the actual thing which could have really happened now like I understand the whole you know gotta make money out of it and stuff but I was so mad (laughs) but you're not getting like a complete story in this one installment it's like no we have to pull it out and we have to make more than one and you have to wait for it um okay on that note how do you feel about dune part one and part two i didn't feel as intensely pissed off (laughs) with with the way it ended but because i know like how it goes and i i I did at least try to read the book (laughs) um i know i know what happens after the first one like i was like this is where it ends like and and the whole time I was watching it I was like this is not getting to where I hope it gets to like because they're really spending their time on this one little storm that's going on (laughs) 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 so um yeah yeah I I didn't feel as intensely pissed at that one but um yeah but but that's the case with like books that has like so many so much more of, of the world that you know you're missing out on and that's what you're kind of waiting for is like, is it going to cover that? Is it not going to cover it? And mm. it's even shittier when, you know, like I'm sure the fact that I'm feeling that where I haven't seen, I haven't actually read the Hunger Games books mm-hmm. and I felt that way with Mockingjay and I'm like, there's definitely way more than this where they could have added on a bit more. And um, yeah, I was I was not okay with this part one, part two situation that that was going on in the in the 2010s. <laughs> Yeah, that's very fair. They really, they tried to do it with everything. And I remember, didn't they not even make the last Divergent movie because they tried to split book three into two movies? Oh, yeah. The movies just didn't do well enough. So there are three Divergent movies, but there were supposed to be four. Like, they really pushed it, especially, I think, with these, like, YA adaptations that were so popular at the time. Mm -hmm. They really pushed it so far. And they were like, how many movies can we break these up into? And yeah. there comes a point where you are butchering the story in service of like, we have to make more content out of this. Yeah. I wanted to, can I bring back the screen rant? Um, Zodiac characters? Yes, please. Okay. So you're Katniss Everdeen. Oh my God. What an honor. So Taurus, they include people um, who are determined, dependable, and down to earth. They're loyal and often averse to change. Katniss is nothing if not steadfast throughout the Hunger Games. Loyalty is the first thing on her mind. So Katniss demonstrates her trait of loyalty and compassion when she volunteers to take her sister's place. She also refuses to let Peeta or Rue get hurt for her, though she isn't able to stop either of those things from happening. Obviously, her resistance to change comes in the form of Katniss not wanting to be involved in the uh, in the revolution at all she just wants to live a quiet and unassuming life but that's impossible for her amongst the hunger games character zodiac sign katniss is an easy fit for taurus how do you feel about that i find it really interesting that the trend so far is headstrong women Mm. like katniss and summer i can see the ways in which they're similar i think it's really interesting that they are both being classified as Taurus women. As Taurus. I don't yeah. know. Now I feel like there's a legacy I need to live up to. 
That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> nah, you're you're a Katniss. <laughs> Pulling out that bow all the time. Oh my god. Yeah, Sounds me like with you. my bow casually. Yeah, you and your bow, Jess. Yep. <laughs> Um, so Capricorn, I'm not surprised by this, but I am, uh, President Snow. Oh my God. I see. Okay. Here's, I do not see the connection between Lawrence and President Snow. I don't either. There's no crossover there. Um, yeah. So Capricorns are very ambitious and hardworking. People who will not be content until they have reached the top. They are also straightforward and organized as well as being loyal. On the other hand, Capricorns can be egotistical and stubborn. President Snow is clearly an ambitious man, which is his defining trait in the franchise. He also asks Katniss to always tell the truth just as he will in order to not lose uh, any time. At the same time, he primarily thinks of himself and his own power, even though the audience knows that he has a family that he seems to care about to an extent. Yeah, I don't know. I am definitely Team Lawrence on this one. Yeah. Maybe maybe Screen Rant, you are tacky and we do hate you. (laughs) I don't know about President Snow for that one. Yeah, I don't know either. But, you know, whatever. Um, Okay, so I feel like we saved the, the best one for the last. Can I call this the best one? I think... Like, objectively, no, but personally, absolutely. And this is going to come as no surprise to anyone. Zero surprise. Of course, (laughs) we're going to talk about Twilight. Of course we are. It's like, it's right in that sweet spot. It's 2008 was when the first one came out. That was like end of middle school, beginning of high school. That is such a pivotal moment in a young person's development. And this was, I don't know about your school, but this was all the rage at mine. Like, everybody was reading and watching and talking about Twilight. So how could we not yeah. talk about it here? I, I didn't know that Twilight existed at all, like, even the book as well. And when I visited a friend in uh, L.A., we passed by, like, a Barnes & Noble or something. Okay. And we were walking by, there was a huge line. And we were like, what is going on? And people, we were passing by, and they were just screaming at us, being like, you need to get in line. Have you read this book? It was like... Like a cult. It was so aggressive. And I was like, what? Um, and and it was it was an author signing event that was, oh. that was happening. And now that I think about it, I was like, wow, of course it was, like, very culty. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, especially at the, the height of the late book releases and the early movie stuff. Yeah, I distinctly remember like the book became a phenomenon at school before the movies even came out where every like every third girl had a ratty copy of Twilight at her desk somewhere because we were all just like reading it and passing it around. I remember a friend of mine, we were like hanging out at her house and she made her mom go to Costco to like buy the new book early because Costco had put it out early. And because I was at her house, I was like, get me one too. Like this, it's, 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 it's essential that I get this book right now because I need to know what happens next. So if it's out early, I need that copy. And it was, it was such a, like, that's the kind of thing that I think we hadn't seen since Harry Potter, where it's like, you need to get the book the day of, it's an event, everybody wants it. You just, it like consumes you and your friends for so long after you first read it that like everybody is excited about it everybody's talking about it you see the copies all over school i mean i was i'm the kind of person who always had a book with me at school i just like would finish a lesson early and and want to read because i was a nerd the fact that like i had a whole bunch of other people doing that with me and with the same book felt so different from me being like you know the little girl in the corner who used to just like sit there with a book after class i didn't know this but apparently after the first film the um the filmmakers wanted to have a bigger and bulkier Jacob. They weren't <laughs> sure if Taylor was up for the task, but obviously. Obviously he was. He was like, bulkier? Okay. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine Jacob not being Taylor Lautner, though? Like if they had recast him for the second movie? No. Makes no sense. Yeah, that would make no sense. I wanted to, this is like a weird like insert, um, Canadian film insert, <laughs> I guess. Um, but one of the, I guess, like actors who are like friends with Jacob, um, like the family, like the the group, this actor, mm-hmm. Kiowa uh, Gordon, he's actually from um, a recent movie called Blood Quantum by Jeff Barnaby, who I, I like 
the movie yes. that I talk about all the time <laughs> to you. Um, when I when I saw him on the cast of of Blood Quantum, I was like, he looks so familiar, and <laughs> I wonder how often he gets it. But it's just like, ah, Twilight guy. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. Which character does he play? Like an unnamed friend? Or... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A, a pretty. Yeah. Unnamed. Oh. He has a bigger role in Eclipse, I think. He That's does. when like the pack starts to become real people. Like they yeah. flesh them out a lot more. And yeah. So total sidetrack. But like, yeah. Anyone no, I love who's that. interested in um, zombie apocalypse like movie where um, it's like on like. The whole world is, like, um, taken over by, like, a zombie virus, except for, like, an isolated Micmac reserve, um, because indigenous people are immune to plague, and that's what Blood Quantum's about, and it's incredible, and you can see Kyle Gordon in it, who's amazing in it, so anyway, I just wanted to bring that up, yeah. (laughs) He's he's been around since Twilight. (laughs) Good for him. Yeah. I'm curious, for this one... Do you have a favorite movie? Did you have a favorite? Oh, yeah. Okay. So my favorite, I think, like, has changed over time, like, okay. depending on my age and all that. Like, but right now, I think I watch the first one most. Yeah. I just love how cranked up, like, just the, the, I don't know if tackiness is the right word because <laughs> it sounds really negative, but like, right. in like the best way possible. Tacky, like, endearingly yeah yeah exactly the second one the second one is the one where uh Ed- edward's gone right he's like yeah. i need to distance myself okay that was that's my least favorite for sure um mm. yeah i i definitely agree that the first one is the one i watch the most it's one of those movies that like if you're just having a weird day and i'm like mm, i need something but nothing quite feels right twilight always feels right for some reason like i can just put it on and like sink into it it's something about i i know every line that like weird blue wash filter they put over the pacific northwest like i don't know it's so easy it's always exactly as entertaining as i remember it being the last time i Love this throuple. <laughs> <laughs> Except the two of them hate each other. I know, but it's it's great. It's a great <laughs> dynamic. <laughs> Except for the um really really weird imprinting thing that happens at yeah, the end. Yeah. Yeah. And oh my god, I was thinking about this, you know, I think about this line a lot actually, a lot more than maybe I should. Um where Bella's like you named my daughter after the Loch Ness monster. Like I think about that line so much because it's so. And she's so angry in that she's moment. So like angry. she's like in a rage, yeah. and you're like, uh, like what? I, do you ever do that? I I do this where I'm like I'm so angry. There's something about when you're extremely angry. And you say the most absurd things. And when you just take <laughs> one second, pause a little bit and think about what you just said, you're like, it's you're, y- what, what are you even saying? And that like, yeah. that just is a definition of that to me. I do that all the time <laughs> where I'm just like, wow, I'm angry. But you're like, lock this monster. I'm like, what the fuck are you saying? Where did that I, come I, from? I, I love it so much. <laughs> so good. Okay, so. We we had to do the Zodiac for this one as well. I mean, I, I had strong oh, feelings no. about it. <laughs> um, so, uh, Taurus, are you ready? I mean, based on the track record so far, I am I have a couple people in mind okay. that I think it might be, and I'm a little nervous about both of them. Okay. So, let's, let's hear it. So, you actually got Edward. Edward Cullen. What? Edward is truly a perfect Taurus. <laughs> Mm-hmm. They're typically very low-key, and they might seem reserved or shy, but beneath the surface, they are actually extremely willful and stubborn. Tauruses are, <laughs> are very family-oriented, but if they think they know the right thing to do, they're going to do it. And they really don't care about anyone else's input or ideas. Convincing them to see from another perspective is no easy feat. <laughs> um, That's so okay. aggressive. I'd- I don't really resonate with like the whole back half of that. Yeah. <laughs> That's so aggressive. That's so aggressive. Yeah. Which like maybe is true for him, but that is like a large sweeping brush to paint all people with. Yeah. So 
that that one's canceled so again i'm a capricorn so capricorn is apparently charlie charlie swan <gasps> charlie charlie is my favorite character charlie is my favorite too he's so funny okay so capricorns are strong reliable love their families and are usually very tradition oriented just like charlie swan is they may seem pretty reserved on the surface but once anyone gets to truly know a capricorn it's easy to see that they are one of the strongest and most steadfast signs in the Zodiac. Charlie is always there for Bella, even if she might not want him to be. <laughs> hmm Yep. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. Yeah, that's sweet. So, yeah, I mean, if anyone wants to check out a, 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 truly any Zodiac-type, like, character that we talked about today, um, thanks to Screen Rant, we pulled all these from, from their website. So, yeah. These were yeah. fun, but like also some of them are extremely shady for absolutely no reason. <laughs> so there are maybe some controversial opinions on there. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, super fun. Wow. <laughs> what a what a journey through so many interesting years of our lives. I'm thinking like looking back to like late elementary through middle and early high school, like what a weird chunk of time to be a human. And when you look back at like, this is what has stuck with us, it makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it does. And I wonder like kids now and what they're always and forever is going to be as well. And like I can imagine, you know, people who are a little bit older than us and were around um, when like the Star Wars movies first came out. Like that would be, I'm sure, an always and forever franchise for, for someone sure. of that age group and it's so interesting how like for a lot of the generations there seems to be some kind of like tentpole big franchise set of movies that just like eats its way into you and is like I'm gonna live here forever yeah um and it's also kind of funny to compare ours to be like ours is Twilight when they have like the literal <laughs> Star Wars movies like <laughs> it's <Look>. fine whatever <laughs> I will live in that world forever. Oh, yeah. I'm not mad about it. It's just it's just a little bit um, of an interesting comparison. Yeah. I guess, like, people now, like, kids who are sort of coming of age, it, maybe it's, like, Marvel or something. I was thinking that, too. Yeah. I don't know what else. I don't know what else is out there that's, like, an always and forever in a sense of, like, a Twilight to us. Yeah. Because I'm sure there are smaller movies that will capture them, like, you know, Bend It and stuff did for us. But yeah. But what's that big, like, media property that you get a whole bunch of and you just keep coming back to because there are a bunch released at the time and then they, like, stick with you long term? Yeah. Actually, we didn't mention this today and I'm surprised it didn't pop up when, when I was thinking about what an always and forever is. As you were talking about Star Wars, I think Lord of the Rings was also in, oh, in yeah. here too for me. Yeah. I, like, I kind of feel like, I mean, from my perspective at least, that we yeah. like didn't put it on the list because Lord of the Rings is like a different class of movie. It is. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. But I agree. Those are definitely ones that like you grow up with and they're so like those movies are so impressive yeah and they're so grand on this like in scale and they are so good they're they're just incredibly well made Mm -hmm. and it feels like that's so sort of an inevitable like Mm -hmm. of course if you're our age i mean you can't assume it for everybody but most of us have some kind of connection to the lord of the rings movies so you're right they absolutely would have fit in here um they're just like probably better than (laughs) all of the movies that we talked about today yeah I think our I think our list is like always and forever like more leaning towards comfort movie and like yeah you know um because we kind of yeah like I feel like the comfort movie list and our like the movies that we grew up with the movies that raised us list that we had too like there's Mm -hmm. a lot of overlap there this is kind of a little bit more in the teen area of um movies that raised us it could be that as well so like right yeah I feel like there's different ways of breaking down what an always and forever is or would be um but yeah so it's interesting and kind of fun that we immediately were like twilight (laughs) (laughs) um which which is fair it's not wrong I guess I just wonder like I think it makes sense that that's the first one that came to mind for that yeah because it is probably the one like when my friends and I sit down together and we're like, oh, what's something to put on 
that we just know we're going to have a good time with, but we don't need to sit and like focus. We're not going to sit and watch a new movie. It's usually Twilight. And two of my friends and I went on like a mini road trip or like a mini trip at the Airbnb. We're like, oh, there's Netflix. What are we going to watch? And we were like planning on watching so many different things. And we ended up watching Catching Fire. Like, yep. Makes sense. And these are the movies that like truly have like feel like for many of us helped us get through the pandemic as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. These these are the comfort and the always and forever in that way, too. Yeah. So we we'd love to know what your always and forever is. Um, It it can be Twilight. (laughs) Yeah, if it is, let us know. (laughs) If if you are around our age and Twilight stuck with you like it did with us, give us a a little reassurance that we are not the only ones who are still latched on to this (laughs) ridiculous franchise. Yeah. So let us know any and all of that. You can reach us in multiple different places um, on Instagram at Popcorn Martini Soup on Twitter at Pop Martini Soup or send us an email, popcornmartinisoup at gmail.com. I think we're going to be doing a couple like summer themed stuff now that it's getting starting to get warmer. Like I definitely need some summer. We need to bring the summer to us. Yeah. It's starting and we need to just like encourage it along. So we've got a couple of ideas cooking. We'll really get you in the summer mood and yeah. hopefully encourage you to watch some real scorchers of, uh, of movies. Yeah, I'm excited. Okay, well... I think that's it. Bye. Bye.